Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Yes, we are in a series called Walking the Will of God, and it's, it's to help you find what the will of God is. And I've entitled this morning's message, Finding Your Future, Finding Your Future. It's not easy to find the will of God and, and to know which way to go. It's often like trial and error. I don't know how many people have been there, but you try one thing and that doesn't work out. So, you know, you go left and you go right and hopefully that works out, but that doesn't always work out uh, either. And so it's really important that there's a better way for us to learn how to walk in the, way, the will of God or how to find your future. I want you to imagine for a moment that you grew up in the perfect hometown. Maybe it was the Sunshine Coast, uh, but it was a place where there was no crime, no poverty, nobody gossiping, lying, cheating, uh, no sickness, no disease. And, and you left your hometown to go to a, another town on a mission. And, and in this other town, there was lots of crime, lots of sickness and disease. Everybody was, you know, lying and cheating and doing all kinds, getting up to all, all kinds of no good. But you were sent there on a mission to change the culture and to change things in that other town. And you had all the resources that you wanted from the good town to bring into the other town. The only thing you had to do was to ask the mayor uh, of the good town that you came from, and he would send resources to help you out to transform the crime and corruption and the poverty and everything else in the other town. And that's pretty well what Jesus did. He, he left a place called heaven, which uh, has no crime, no poverty, no sickness, no disease, nobody gossiping, lying, cheating, all of those things. And he came to a place called earth, our hometown. And he came with a mission. And when he prayed, he prayed to his father in the hometown, so to speak, heaven, and brought power in. Now, his disciples noticed that. And they noticed there's a connection here. This, this man has got incredible power, but it seems to come through prayer. It seems to come from a, a, a time when he'd go up in a mountain, he'd meet with God, he'd spend all night praying and fasting, and, and they saw this connection between his power and his prayer. There's an incredible connection between power and prayer and authority and prayer and also in finding the will of God. So they noticed that and they asked him, they said, hey, teach us to pray. We want to have the power. We want to have the same authority to get the same results as what you're getting. And so he gave them what we would commonly call the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm only going to read uh, just one little part of that. Uh, it starts out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. In verse 10, he says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we got a big problem here. We read this, and we kind of skim over if you're anything like me, you often will go, oh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kind of like a, some kind of a chant or something like that. But if you push pause and actually read the prayer, and actually think about the prayer, 
What he's saying there is incredible. And it's incredible really for one big reason. And, and, and I, wanna, I want us just to look at that again and, and, and read it carefully. Our Father in heaven, he says, uh, thy will be done on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not, not my will. You see, we're born with this incredible, powerful force, if you will, this internal force called the human will. It, it's a sign of weakness to ever give that up. Our very survival usually depends on our willpower. Uh, that could be anything from the will to survive in, in bad circumstances. Like I said, if you're in that, that place where there's lots of corruption and poverty and all the rest of it, like, like there is in this earth, our, our very survival hinges on how strong our will is. And he is saying here, not your will be done, but his will be done. In other words, I want you to surrender your will into mine. Let your will be swallowed up, if you will, into my will. That's a problem. And the battle rages, and I call that the battle of the wills, because he's asking us to forfeit the most powerful thing that we possess to his most powerful thing, his will, and, and, and his plan for us. You see, if we're going to walk in our preferable future, and we're going to find out what God's plan is and walk in the way of God or walk in the will of God, there's one big giant step that we have to take. In fact, that step is a, is a step called faith. Faith just simply means this, trust. It's a deep-seated trust in Him that His will, that His uh, plan for us, that, that He actually has uh, a better plan than what we have, that we can trust him, that we can surrender again that most powerful thing that we possess to him, and that he will give us his will not to harm us. He's not going to lead us astray. He's not going to lead us into temptation. He's not going to lead us into uh, falling off a cliff and destroying our lives, but to, to put our trust in him and, and, and his will is a struggle and a battle that ensues. Now, I can remember when I was first invited to become a Christian. And, uh, and I, kind of, I kind of liked the idea, and I read, you know, a Bible that, that, uh, that they gave me, the older people. I was living in a hotel in, in San Diego, California. I was pretty lonely. I'd moved there from, uh, from Michigan, my home state. And, and I thought, man... It's got to be something better in life. And I was on a quest, and many of you have been on the, a, a similar quest. And, and then the big news came that you actually, to make him the Lord of your life, not a good suggestion or a philosophy or, or, or a religious concept or ideology, but to actually make him the Lord of your life involved one big thing, and it's a big step. I had to surrender my will to his will. And if I, had, if I was going to find my future, if I was going to find the way, if I was going to find what his plan was for my life, I had to take that step. Now, most of you, if not all of you, and many for sure, have taken that step where you've gone, okay, not my will, but your will, and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to make you Lord 
of my life. That is a gigantic step. In fact, you won't find your future unless you find his will. You won't find his plan for you unless you discover his will and surrender your will into his will. That is perhaps the biggest key in finding your future and walking in the ways of God. I remember a friend of mine who pastored in Maruchador and went over to New Zealand and pastored, and uh, uh, he's pastoring somewhere right now, but uh, when he lived on the coast here, his name's Andrew Higgins, and, and I remember <laughs> Andrew telling me that secretly he had planned something uh, without telling his wife, and, uh, and he kept this like very, very secretive until the whole thing unfolded. They were on their, they were celebrating one of their anniversaries at Andrew's house, and as pastors do often, you get a knock on the door, a phone call, and, and what you thought was going to be a romantic evening just gets turned on its head. Everything gets turned on its head. There's a knock at the door. There's this desperate young couple. We've got to see you, pastor. And, and, and Leanne, that's Andrew's wife, she'd prepared this amazing dinner for their, their romantic evening anniversary. There's candles, there's flowers, there's, you know, they'd only just sat down to get started, knock at the door, in comes this couple, bursting into tears. They're just beside themselves. And so Andrew and Leanne did what most pastors would do. They dropped everything. The dinner got cold. They didn't even get to enjoy their romantic evening. Uh, Leanne, you know, she wasn't in tears, but she was pretty upset. And, and, and so Andrew decided this. He said, I'm going to make it up to Leanne. And uh, next year, when it's our anniversary, I'm going to plan something so special because we didn't get to do uh, anything romantic on this one. So for a whole year, he studied to get his pilot's license. And she had no idea. He'd see, he didn't lie to her, but he said, yeah, I'm going to night school. Oh, that's good, Andrew. Uh, and, you know, and so he got his pilot's license, and, and he learned to fly. He did his solo, did the whole thing. And then, I don't know how he did this, but he teed, uh, he teed this up with the controller in, in, at Caloundra Airport, that he was going to take his wife up for a night flight, and then they were going to a restaurant. But... He didn't tell her that he was going to be the pilot. He didn't tell Leanne that he had his pilot's license. And so he showed up at Calandra Airport. She's like, oh, this is so lovely, Andrew. We're going to do a, a, a joy flight around the city. It's, the sun is setting. and It's going to be romantic. And then we're going to this incredible place to eat. And so he says to the, the, the guy, the control tower, and this other guy that were there, he goes, say, uh, what time is my pilot going to be here? He goes, well, I, you know, he should, he, he, did he tell you a time? He said 7 o'clock or whatever it was. Uh, he must be running late. Hey, can we sit in the plane? You're going to see where this is going in a moment. But <laughs> do, you, do you think he would mind if we just sit in the plane? Uh, well, you know, we're not really supposed to do that. But yeah, okay. Where's the plane? It's that plane over there. It's that Beechcraft or whatever it was. And so... Uh, they sit in the plane. Of course, Andrew's in the, the pilot's side, and Leanne's there, and she's going, just don't touch anything, Andrew. Just keep your hands off the controls. Don't touch anything. Don't worry, doll. And he's looking at his watch, and he's at, he said, we got dinner, like, at 830, and we, if we don't get this thing on, underway, we're going to miss our, our dinner. This is going to be terrible. I don't know where he is. And so he says to the, the guy again, he says, 
would he mind if, uh, if we at least got the plane started? If we just, you know, how do you start the plane anywhere? Well, you got to, you know, check this, check that. I'll do, I'll help you out here. And then, uh, you know, you have to yell all clear. And then uh, you, you turn this or push this button or whatever it is. And, you know, the prop will get going. So, yeah, go ahead and do that. But just don't touch anything. And so he did all of that. She's freaking out like now. She's like at the height of uh, anxiety. Like, what? Andrew. And then he says, do you think he would mind, because he's really late, it's his fault, where are we going to take off from? The guy says, well, you're going to take off from over there. Do you think he would mind if, you know, show me how to taxi this thing. We'll just, we'll just drive the plane over there for the takeoff. <laughs> and so <laughs> the guy's at, he's playing along. He's like, oh, I don't know about that, but, well, yeah, okay. It's, it's against the rules, but yeah, okay, you can do that. So he gets over there, and now she's really beside herself. And, and they get to the mark where the plane's going to take off. He's got his headset on. He says whatever he has to say to the control tower. And, and, and then he pushes the throttle, like just, Wah! and she's screaming. And at the same time that she's screaming, he's pushed the throttle. He takes out this card, this anniversary card. It op opens. And... and and in it is his pilot's license. And she's like looking at it, but it doesn't register, of course. And she, Andrew, no! And they took off. <laughs> true story. Seriously, true story. And my point is this, you know, sometimes we're going to take off. Sometimes it's going to be dangerous. Sometimes it's going to look like everything's going to crash. I said to Andrew, I said, if my wife was sitting there in the place of Leanne, if it was me and Gail, we would have definitely crashed. She, she, would have grabbed, she would have grabbed a hold of the thing and not believed that I was a pilot. She would have pushed it, struggled. We would have, we'd be, we would have been on air crash investigations for sure, hands down. But what do you do? When you have to surrender your will in, in a situation called life, what, what, how hard is it, seriously, to actually see thy will be done? Not my will, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what is the key to that transaction? Because that is a major transaction in finding the will of God. That, that is like the major transaction in finding the will of God and walking in your best future is to exchange, to surrender bad words in our society. I'm not surrendering to anybody. We are going to stick it to the man. We're going to stick it to everybody in authority. Do you think I am going to lay down my will? And yet that's exactly what God tells you that you must do. So I want you to... Um, uh, Go with me for a moment over to Acts chapter 13. There was a man named David, and he wasn't king. He was a shepherd boy. And there was a king in Israel at the time. His name was Saul. And Saul did his own thing. He, he didn't surrender his will to God's will. He had his will, and his will was going to reign. So he did things his way, and it was going to cost him the kingdom. And so what uh, God uh, did was he picked another 
and he, 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 he looked at Saul. He went, okay, Saul, you're gone. David, I want you. And in Acts chapter 13, just going to have a, a quick look at this because it's so, so important. In Acts chapter 13, and we'll look at verse 22. After removing Saul, he, God, made David their king. And listen to what he testified. He testified concerning him. This is God's thoughts concerning David. He testified concerning him. I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do, he will do everything I want him to do. I want you to take note, after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. The problem, see, is this, that we are so full of our own agendas that we don't take time to go, God, what do you want in this situation? What is your will concerning this? And if my will doesn't line up with his will, well, I've got to line that up. Or I'm going to crash the plane. I'm in serious serious trouble. I'm not going to find his will or step into uh, the future that God has for us. But most of us are, are focused on our agenda or our will, or we're focused on the do instead of pursue. We're focused on the outcome and what we're going to get out of the deal instead of pursuing the heart of God. I love the fact that David was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't after the outcome. He wasn't even after, after uh, being the king. He didn't want to be the king. That was quite a surprise. Like, I'm going to be the king. I'm still young. And a lot of people probably laughed it off. But, but, but David had one consuming passion, and that is pursuing the heart of God. He had the do. Uh, most people have the do instead of the pursue. He had the pursue instead of the do. So I want us to... Uh, Think for a moment just about what our agendas are in life and how are we pursuing God in these things. It's one reason why God says to a group of people, because they're not pursuing Him, they're doing the do instead of the pursue. He says, well, depart from me. I, I never knew you. To do the will of God, to find your preferable future, to find which way to go, it's a pursuit of the heart of God to find God's, God's will. So how do I find God's heart? How do I find God's will? So you find your future by finding God's heart by becoming best friends with him. I remember hearing a story in World War I. It's a true story. I, I don't know the names of the two soldiers, but uh, the Battle of the Somme on the Western Front in France uh, during this particular battle, there were hundreds of thousands of, of young men, mainly, that died. In fact, there were close to 20,000 in one, one day as they would get up out of the trench, go across no man's land, and, and get mowed down. And these particular two guys had become very, very close, as you would, sitting in a trench full of mud and corpses and, and the smell of cordite and other things. It, these two became very, very close friends. And uh, they shared each other's hearts, their dreams, their families. They just had a lot of time to think about it as everybody was getting killed. And the order came to advance. So what they did 
they'd done it before. Others had done it before. They, they, they got up out of the, out of the trenches and, and, and went across no man's land. Bombs going off everywhere, flares. It's nighttime. And, and um, this one man discovered that his friend had been mowed down. He was wounded. He's out there. He could hear him calling and wailing. And he's come back into the trench. And so he says to his uh, commander, his lieutenant, he says, I, I want to go help my friend. I want to go get him. He says, no, you can't. You you'll get killed for sure. You, you, you sit here. And when he could take it no longer, he just went ahead and, and, and advanced and went out there. And, and he got his friend, threw him over his shoulder, brought him back into the trench. And they got back, and his friend was dead. And the lieutenant kind of cynically said to him, so was it worth it? And he said, yes, sir, it was. It was worth it because his last words to me were, I knew that you'd come for me. I knew that you would come. How did he know he would come? How? Because they got to know each other. When you know God and you spend time with God, and yes, that, that, that big word prayer is, is, is one of the great keys. The other one is his word. When you spend time immersed in his thought flow, his thoughts that he's written through, through many people over 66 books, actually, you, you start to get to know how God thinks. You get to know the heart of God, and you take that into a time of prayer, and you become best friends. And it ushers in a knowledge, a knowing of the will of God. And the will of God gives you incredible authority. And it, and it also allows you to establish priority in life. So you know what your priorities are in life, starting, of course, with his kingdom and what he wants to accomplish here on planet Earth. The key to, the great key, and this is my major point, could even be my only point this morning if you don't get any other points. You want to know your future. You want to find your future. You want to find the will of God. You want to know which way to go. Then know God. Spend your time knowing God. Spend your time praying to him. Carve out more time doing that than a lot of the other options that are never going to lead to knowing God. All, all, all the anxiety, the tossing, the turning, the indecision, uh, the frustration of trying to work out some will uh, out there and some direction out there. It's not out there. It's in here. It's in, it's in hearing God's heart, hearing what God has to say. It's in knowing the heart of God that you'll know the will of God. This is not some magic formula somewhere. This is not an equation. Certainly not an incantation, the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done on earth, in my life on earth, as it is in heaven. Every decision that I've come to, every crossroads in life that I've come to, if I've done it my way, and I, I believe that's kind of the theme song of uh, people that self-destruct is I did it my way. Every time I've done it my way and not his way, thinking that my way was, of course, the better way, I've ended up in trouble. And then, of course, like most people, it's like blame God. But every time I've surrendered my will to his will by getting to know his heart, 
spending time with him, feeding in the word of God. Every time that I've, I've surrendered my will, he's given me incredible authority to go and pursue something that I thought was impossible. Some of the times that where my eyes have looked and I've gone, that's just impossible. That is not going to happen. And, 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 and God says, just trust me. Faith is trust. Just, just, this operates through incredible faith, incredible trust. Just get your hands off the wheel. Just, just realize, I can fly the plane. You don't have to worry about it. Just, just surrender your will, even when it doesn't look like that's the right way to go. And realize that God has an incredible plan for your life. He's not making it up as it goes. Sometimes it looks like you think, God, like, are you making this thing up as we're walking here? Like, what? This just doesn't make any sense. And usually when it doesn't make any sense, you know, that's got to be the will of God because I could have never thought of that and nobody in their right mind is going to give me advice to do that. But God knows. I'm going to close in uh, just with a couple of scriptures, but in uh, Ephesians, we're just going to look at just a couple of uh, scriptures here. In Ephesians 1, in, uh, in verse 5, and then we'll look at 9 and 11. Listen to this. See, he's got, a, he's got a plan for your life. He knows what it is. He predestined, I love that word. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Listen to this. In accordance with his pleasure and will. The plan that he's got He's already mapped it out in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined, not making this up on the spot, not, oh, I don't know which way to go. I think, well, why don't we just do that? Uh, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. Listen to this again. In conformity with the purpose of his will. He's not making it up. He's got a plan for you. Listen to Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. I want to live the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. But understand, in other words, don't be ignorant of his will. How, how do I not do that? Pray for clear understanding of the heart of God. Pursue his heart before you pursue the do. What am I going to do and all the rest of it? Just forget about the do for a moment and focus on the pursue. When you get the pursue right, the do will become very, very evident. But we want to look at the do. What am I going to do? <laughs> I remember when... I uh, was out of work. I was in San Diego, and I was at a quandary because I, 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 I had an insatiable appetite for the Word of God. I wanted to know more about this, this, this thing called faith. 
And I saw, yeah, I read Hebrews chapter 11, the great heroes of faith chapter, and they, you know, took down giants and they pursued uh, incredible things. And, and by faith, you know, Noah did, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, by faith, by faith. And I thought, man, I've got to learn what this thing called faith is. And so I started reading everything I could from uh, modern day heroes to the heroes in the Bible of faith. And then I, I really had such an appetite that I thought, I want to go to Bible college. But I was kind of like, I had a girlfriend at the time and it wasn't Gail. Uh, but don't worry, we broke up. And uh, thank God I got the better one of the deal. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought of what I had to lose. See, if I moved from San Diego, and I loved San Diego, great city. And I thought, if I move from here, then I'm going to have to give all of this up. Go to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like, really? Anyway. Uh, so I was at a quandary. And I, and I came to this place where am I going to surrender to his will and trust him, or am I going to stick to my own plan? If I would have stuck to my own plan, believe me, things would have been really, really different. I don't believe I would be here right now in this great country. I would, have, would not have met my beautiful wife. Uh, I wouldn't have had my gorgeous son who's sitting on the front row, just saying. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of stuff that would not have come down. Now, would the other have been better or worse? I'll never know. All I know is I did walk in God's will, so I have to believe that it was way, way better and God had something for me. But I, I remember the quandary I was in, the vacillation. I read James. It says, you know, uh, you got to be single-minded. A, a double-minded man shall expect nothing of God. He's like a wave driven and tossed by the sea. Let, let him expect nothing. You have to be single-minded. How do I be single-minded? Pursue the heart of God. Pursue the will of God. As soon as your will and His will are synced, are in sync, then power comes into your life to accomplish that plan that He's prearranged way before. In fact, before the foundation of the world. He's got this plan for you. It's a flight plan that you can count on. It's not going to lead you into disaster. It's not going to be on air crash investigations. You're not going to crash and burn. Follow God's plan and you will get every single time the perfect will of God. Romans chapter 12, it says this. It says to, to know what the good, will, the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. But it comes through surrender. Surrender. A good word. Not a bad word. I wonder if we could all stand. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, I'd like our worship team to come back up. Thank you. I like to pray. And I like to give people a chance to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life and to surrender their will to His will. To take that big step, and it's a big step. But I would ask right now, if you'd like to, if you'd like to close your eyes or get in a, a posture where you'll receive what I have to pray. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, by the way. Just saying. So the preacher's not here to beat you up, and God's not doing that. That's somebody else that does that, not God. So God's not, I told you so, you idiot. 
Now, God doesn't do that. God's a, God is the ultimate encourager. And, and God is for you. Who, who can be against you? And like I've preached, God's will is going to lead you into a bad place. It's going to lead, always lead you into a better place. But I wonder if you, wherever you're at, could just answer just a simple question. Are you pursuing his heart? And if not, would you? Would you make a decision this morning that I'm going to carve out some time? Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to pray, perhaps, but God will show you. It's just talking to your best friend seriously. Somebody goes, oh, you mean your imaginary friend? Yeah, exactly. He uses your imagination more than anything. It's how he speaks to most of us. He speaks through our, the images, the imagination. Don't yield that to other thoughts, bad thoughts, Hollywood or whatever, whatever. Yield that imagination, that image machine that you've got to God. And watch what God does and watch what he will show you. Habakkuk says, stand on the rampart to see what God would say. You'd think he'd say to hear what God would say. No, he says in Habakkuk 2, he says, to see what God would say. God wants to show you things. When you spend time with him, he'll show you what his will is. Then it's up to you. Am I going to trust him above reason? Am I going to take the big step in the battle of the wills, knowing that when I surrender, I actually win? Most battles, when you surrender, it's because you're the loser. Not in God's. The battle to surrender, the battle of wills, the battle of your mind, when you surrender, you're always a winner. You're never worse off. So, Father, I thank you right now for every person here that I get to pray for. Lord, I thank you that your will is not something out there taunting and tormenting us and confusing us and causing anxiety and and, and fear. But I thank you that your will is perfect. You have a perfect plan for every one of us. And Lord, I ask right now that you would give the anointing, the trust to each one of us, the power to lay down our will and pick up yours. So I want you to see yourself doing that right now. Whatever it is that you know, hey, this isn't, this is me doing it my way. I'm going to lay that down. I'm going to pick up his. Uh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of consequences right now. And uh, oh, if I do that, then this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Yeah, but the consequences of surrendering your will are minuscule compared to the incredible reward of stepping into his will and not doing it your way. So Lord, give us the power and show us your way clearly. Help us get on the path to pursue your heart as David did, your will, that we could be men and women after your own heart that we would do everything that you show us to do and nothing more. And so I thank you for each person here. I want to pray a prayer. uh, And it's a prayer that you can ask Jesus into your heart. So if you're here right now and you're away from God or you haven't done that right now, if you just kindly pray after me, if you're watching online uh, uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, I invite you to be part of this prayer as well, no matter where you're at. So pray this prayer just after me. Say, Dear God, 
I thank you for sending your son into my world. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.